In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Welcome, everybody. We are talking about Jesus today. It's an exciting topic here at 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. We're glad you stumbled across this. And uh, I believe today you're going to be deeply encouraged because we are talking to Ray Bachman. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. Glad that you're here. You are a fascinating individual to me. Mm-hmm. That's what my wife tells me. <laughs> <laughs> you have, uh, I've known you for now probably 13 years, mm-hmm. I guess, just from being around, uh, seeing you around the community and uh, uh, bumping into you at seminars and church and the mm-hmm. rest of the things. I've even played golf with you a few times, That's and right. you're a dynamic golfer, by the way. Yeah, I always uh, see your ball flying by mine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, your story of how you met Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life is really uh, what we, uh, it always encourages me, and I was just, uh, I'm assured that there are people out there today that are going to hear this and just be strengthened in the faith. So thanks mm-hmm. for coming and sure. being willing to share. So um, we'll just jump right in. How about that? Let's do it. Tell us a little bit about you. You're a business owner. That's right. Um, originally born in Pennsylvania in the uh, olden golden years of 1956. Ooh! And, and what town in Pennsylvania? It was. We were all born in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, which is the northern part of the city uh, of the state. Okay. And uh, we moved here in '65. My dad was transferred. Uh, he started a uh, regional sales department for a company. So we all came south and sold our sleds and toboggans, and didn't realize it really does snow every now and then in Atlanta. <laughs> so uh, we thought we were coming to sunny Florida, which is uh-huh. a little bit cooler. But um, yeah, once you're transferred from the north, you never go back. You never go back. Then yeah. were you uh, raised in a Christian home there? In well, I would say it was a. A church going home. We never really talked about Jesus, but um, you know, we were raised in the Methodist and Presbyterian churches up north. Then we came down here. Mom and Dad never found a, a home church, so we kind of were the. As I heard, a CEO Chris, Chris, uh, Christmas and Easter only Christian. Okay. You know, so never really <laughs> talked about a personal relationship with Christ. It was just kind of performance and duty and and uh, go to church and check the boxes. You hear uh, that a lot, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a lot of people's story, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, you, uh, you, you're here in Atlanta, and you're, you're growing up, the normal thing, and so how is it that you were first introduced to Christ? Well, in college, I went to Georgia Tech, and as you know, the female population back in those days was about 17 guys to every gal, so there was slim pickings. <laughs> so uh, anyway, my mother, who was a widow, had a good friend in the neighborhood who also was a widow, and she had a, a daughter that um, was a little bit younger than me, and every now and then I'd, I'd go out on a date. And then one day um, she brought one of her friends, who is now my wife, Vicki, oh, uh, okay. to our house. Fascinating. And they were, uh, they were cheerleaders. They were in their last, uh, last year in high school. So I was a big uh, sophomore at Georgia Tech, and they were seniors in high school, and they were coming up to sell us um, some kind of raffle items or whatever. And so when I saw Vicky, I just uh, just basically said, wow, and um, (laughs) thought that she I'm sure she said the same thing. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I cruised up my brother's motorcycle, so I was easy rider. Oh, man. I was pretty cool back then. College guy on a motorcycle, high school girl. This sounds scandalous. I'm telling you. And uh, so when I saw Vicky, I thought, you know, boy, that is one good-looking lady. So um, I think a little while after that, I, 
I, I wound up asking her out. So that was this kind of the start of my journey. Um, and little did I know, you know, when I went over and picked up her mom, picked up her, picked up, picked her up at the house with her mom and dad. Her mom came up and gave me this big bear hug. And I like, you know, us Northerners weren't really big into hugging, you know, but <laughs> part of me liked it. Some part of me didn't. I didn't know how to process it. But right. um, as I got to know Vicki and her family, um, you know, I just realized that these people are pretty serious about Jesus. I mean, they talked about Jesus like he had a back bedroom, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> what is this? You know, I believe in Jesus and I believe, you know, in God, but uh, man, he's not, you know, an everyday part of my life. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, over time, you know, I just was drawn to them. And uh, her dad went to Tech, so we both played tennis together. And I really just was, just saw something they had. And I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I, it's really, in, uh, you know, intoxicating and inviting. And so I remember sitting down with her mom one time and I said, what makes you people so happy? And I said, you don't party, you know, you don't drink, you don't do this, this, that. She goes, oh, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. I said, no. Don't give me the God answer. Really, what is it? And um, she said, no, it's it's the Lord. He, you know, he's just really changed our lives. Huh. And so over time, I just saw that in their life and was drawn to it. And I guess the the uh, the time, not everybody has a day and hour, but I remember Vicki uh, years later was going on to co- was, went to college up in Nashville. She was home for the weekend and uh, invited me over to see the Jesus of Nazareth um series on television and so i went over there and um and that night you know i just you know that was back when tvs actually had wooden frames and it was like the the frame of the television disappeared and i was there really just mesmerized with this jesus and this teaching and um and it was i gonna surrender because that was the biggest struggle i had is, is you know i know about this jesus but i'm not ready to give my life over to somebody i can't see touch taste and feel yeah. and so i remember driving home that night and just started breaking down like a baby crying. You know, I hadn't cried since my dad had died when I was 13. And just, I was just really in a bad place. You know, I was on parole, you know, or not parole, but I was on, you know, um, on the outs list almost at tech on on warning. And I was partying with my buddies on the weekends and just, you know, life just didn't have meaning. Hmm. And so I remember just crying out. I didn't even know the sinner's prayer. And I just said, Lord, I don't know who you are or what you are, but I'm in a bad place. And I really ask you to forgive me. You know, I've been hurting, you know, my family. And my mom's dad was an alcoholic. And I knew that she was concerned, you know, because she knew I was out with the guys. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of just poured my heart out and said, I, you know, just make me like Vicky and her family. I want what they have. And, mm-hmm. you know, the stars didn't appear and the sky skyrockets go off. But I did. I physically felt just a sense of peace that everything's going to be okay. Right. And, um, you know, little I know, that was, you know, the Lord coming into my life. And um, so I, I didn't know what had happened, but I knew something was different. Yeah. And Vicky's mom um, was a librarian at the time at a Christian school. And little did I know, and, and talking to her later on, that every Monday morning they had a prayer meeting, and my name was on their prayer list for over a year to come to Christ. So you get 20 ladies praying for you. You don't stand a chance. <laughs> and the hounds of heaven were after me. <laughs> uh, but shortly after that experience, um, Vicky's mom and dad asked me to go camping with them as a family. And I grew up camping. I thought, that's that's great. So. Um, I remember let sending. Me, let me stop you right yeah. there for the camping sure. trip. So that's a powerful discipleship principle, I think. Mm. Um, is this praying for people even oh. before you share the gospel or try to win them to Christ, but just by name, consistently 
over time. Let God be the author of time, right? Amen. That's so true. And that's your story. It worked. That is my story. And I do. I've seen God do some miraculous things in praying for people, you know, praying for members of my family. I mean, one by one, God, I'm the baby of four, so one by one, God, God got a hold of wow. um, each one of my family members. In fact, I remember um, we had sold a house back in 86, and we were building another one. And so we, Vicky and I, and at the time, our two boys were living with my mom while this uh, construction was going on. And uh, one evening, I was sharing with my mom about you know a personal relationship with Christ. Of course, she taught Sunday school and sang in the choir and all. But this whole thing about a personal relationship was just kind of different. And uh, so I went through the four spiritual laws with her um, and went one by one through those. Little did I know, my little Jonathan, who was six at the time, had woken up and had walked down the steps and was sitting at the bottom of the steps and there was a wall between the steps and the kitchen. And so my mom did pray with me, um, you know, the prayer. And little did I know, little Jonathan prayed that same prayer. Unbelievable. And so God got two for one that that (laughs) evening, which is kind of neat. And the family too, right? But yeah, just praying for family members and friends and neighbors. I could go on and on about how God's just gotten a hold of them. So you're right, prayer as Hank Hanacraft would say, um, prayer is winning is firing the winning shot. How about you know? that? That's a br- that's a brilliant yeah. quote. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, heard it said that if you talk to God about a person, you'll probably talk to that person about God. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we tend to just kind of leave that out of the equation. Sometimes we pray, God, give me the words, but we don't necessarily pray for their heart to be softened and changed before mm. I even share the word. That's so, so true. Right right here before so me today is, is living proof of yeah. that. So you, you've you accepted Christ in your car. You don't really know what you've done. Yeah. You're you're dating this girl in high school or college now yeah. who mom is a believer and the family is, yeah. and they take you camping. camping. This sounds like a setup. <clears throat> so Sunday morning, her mom <laughs> says, let's have a devotional. And I thought, that's kind of cool. Here we are in nature. So her and her dad shared something from the word, and... Um, and I remember her saying, well, Ray, what do you want us to pray for you about? And, um, you know, I was when I was in high school, there was a group called the God Squad. They're kind of geeky. You know, we were kind of these big, tough athletes, and so we kind of discarded it. But So that was my idea of a Christian, okay? And so I said, you know, I said, and, and they knew something was going on. I had not shared with them what had happened to me. But I remember saying, you know, I'd like to find some really neat, you know, Christians that kind of athletic and just kind of, you know, kind of like the things that I like. And um, so I remember she prayed, well, they both prayed um, at the end of our session. And so the next day, I was going to Georgia Tech in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I'd work part-time. And so uh, I remember driving out to the Sears Warehouse in Tucker, where I worked, and my boss, I walked in, I worked back in the shipping area. We would fill up these big tractor-trailer trucks, and my boss said, Bachman, what's this I hear about you going to church? I said, yeah, something's going on. I can't explain it, but all of a sudden, this stuff interests me. And he pulls me to the side. He says, well, you can't kind of tell from the words, I, you know, language I use sometimes. But he started telling me his God story about how he'd come to faith in Christ years ago <laughs> and how he and his wife, you know, were on the verge of divorce and how God intervened. And mm. he said, you know, sometimes, you know, what I say probably isn't, you know, the right things to say around here. But he said, I really want to encourage you in this newfound faith, you know. And I thought, well, that's... That's pretty cool. And then um, then I went to work in another part of the warehouse that day. This young guy was there, and we got talking. All of a sudden, he started telling me his God story. Wow. About how he'd come to faith. Um, and then, you know, about 
an hour or two later, I was in another division and talked to this other individual. And all of a sudden, they just kind of started telling me their God. So by the end of that afternoon, I think about five people had told me their testimony, how they come, came to faith. Wow. This was like the day after we'd come back from this camp out, and they had prayed that I would meet some people uh, of faith. That? And I'm like, this is not a coincidence, no, you know? No, no, no. Um, and then uh, shortly thereafter, um, that week, uh, I was going through scuba class le- uh, lessons at the pool at Tech with a buddy of mine who is a football player. And he said, uh, what are you doing after our scuba lesson? I said, we're doing that a whole lot. He said, why don't you come by my dorm room? So sure enough, after the lesson, I went to his dorm room and he said, Ray, he said, um, has anybody ever shared with you kind of the plan of salvation of, of what it means to be a Christian? I said, I started telling them about my experience, you know, Goodness. about a week or so ago about, the, you know, praying to God and all these coincidences that were God instances. And he just, he said, well, listen, let me show you. And he kind of went through the Roman road with me of how I can know for certain, you know, uh, that I came to Christ and gave me assurance verses. And it just was like the icing on the cake. You know, oh, it's wow. like, this stuff's real, you Very know, real. especially because here's this big macho you know, football player, and he's telling me about his faith in Christ and how excited he was. And so God just literally just shot me out of a cannon because I think I came back to Vicky. I said, "Who do you know that knows his Bible?" I said, "I got to learn this." <laughs> and she goes, "Well, we have a I have a Sunday school teacher um, who's a professor at, um, at at Georgia State. He teaches accounting, and he's very knowledgeable of the scriptures." And I said, "Well, let's start a college." college Bible study, you know. So sure enough, we launched this thing, and I invited all my you know, partying buddies, and um, we called it uh, Happy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, my but- my friends came. Vicki was in nursing school at the time. She invited her girlfriends. We saw people get saved. I mean, it was like a little book of acts that was going on. I think within a month or two, we had 60 to 80 guys and gals coming, and it was just exciting to see. And so that was really an incredible launch in my faith. Yeah. I'd say. Really so, cool. so you meeting Christ really wasn't one of these uh, slow cooker, this is going to be, this is going to help my life feel a little bit better. Right. This was, right. you use the word shot, you have a cannon. You, yeah. God just started surrounding you with yeah. people who were sharing their faith with you and mm-hmm. And, and and that growing, you know, you mentioned a couple of things about the four spiritual laws. Mm-hmm. Um, some people today right. are hesitant about formulas like that, sure. about four spiritual laws or the Romans. But that worked for you. That mm-hmm. that if those guys hadn't shared that with you, you might not have understood mm-hmm. what all these conceptual Bible things are. Yeah, what, why don't you share with everybody that, especially yeah. those that aren't familiar, what is the what are the four spiritual laws? Oh boy, you're really going to put me on the spot here. <laughs> But you know, it's it, you know, like again, going back to what you said, some people have um, have kind of in mind this is the way you know it should be. And uh, I remember someone saying, "I like um, I like what I do better than what you don't do." In other words, <laughs> you know, whatever method you use, you know, obviously, you know, the first the first law is, is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And then um, I'll probably get these all mixed up, but you know, then then it goes on to say, you know, but God has a has a plan for you, and um, he sent his son Jesus Christ, you know, to uh, to offer you eternal life. And then, um, you know, the last the last law is, but you may you must receive him by faith. Just intellectually assenting the fact that Jesus is Son of God mm-hmm. um, doesn't um, doesn't offer salvation. And so, right. you know, basically, you've got to repent. And, um, and and put your faith in Christ um, as a personal relationship. Um, well, but what I like about that is 
a lot of people, uh, you know, they get that God loves you and has a wonderful right. plan for your life, right? I mean, they God loves you is not a new concept. Yeah, the wonderful plan for your life, people kind of, uh, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's happening that way. Yeah, right? But but this whole issue of sin separating us from God, um, I, it feels like that's, you know, the word sin is something that's not used a lot anymore. It's just, uh, but but I understand that. But then the fact that Christ came, we oftentimes leave it with those three, don't we? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's this, but you must accept Christ or mm-hmm. else Christ came for the world, but without, you know, as an invitation, but an invitation has to be accepted. Yeah. It's also, it's almost like a gift under the Christmas tree. Unless you pick it up and embrace it and unwrap it, it really isn't possessed. There you, know? you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see it from a distance. Exactly. That's, that's nice. That's I'm glad that works for you, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these four spiritual laws are shared with you. You um, start a Bible, you actually start a Bible study as a new believer. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. No, it's, you're well, not supposed well, to do that. Well, I wasn't teaching it, but I was uh, recruiting. You know, and I guess that's where my salesmanship comes through. You know, God uh, used that aspect. But yeah, and I can tell you, people, you know, from that. Gosh, it's been 42 years ago. Uh, I came to Christ at age 21, and I'm an old 63-year-old. So <laughs> I can tell you story after story of uh, of guys and gals that have came to Christ back in those days that are still wow. on fire. I believe spiritually. It. I know you, and I really, yeah. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. So you wind up. Apparently, Vicky went from your girlfriend to your wife. Yeah, we got married in 1979, so we've been married 41 years. She's still the that. love of my life. She's my hot babe, Grammy. Y'all, y'all don't know this because you can't see them, but they're technically known as Ken and Barbie. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> that's what we call them. We're getting older. <laughs> they're Ken and Barbie. <laughs> right. uh, and so then you wind up having children. Now, did children change your faith life at all, or how did that? Well, let me let me back up a little bit because sure. um, after I came to Christ and we started this, you know, then a youth pastor took me under his wing. He was um, a fairly new graduate of Dallas Seminary in Texas, and so he took me under his wing and discipled me and and uh-huh. shared with me how to share my faith. We would go knocking on apartment doors, sharing Christ. It was just wild and crazy. But And we would do scripture memory. We'd do Bible studies. So he was my first experience in discipleship. Okay. Um, and he poured into me for years. And, and uh, then I started discipling um, young teenagers, you know, one-on-one. Then several years later, um, the church that we were going to um, had a... Uh, uh, now, missions did, conference. Now, let me ask you this. Did okay. you ask this guy, hey, will you disciple me, or did this guy offer to do that? You know, that's how a that... great question. I, um, I don't really recall how it kicked off, but I knew I started working with the youth, and I think that's when he gravitated and saw that my heart was really you know, wanting to grow and learn. And, and I can't remember if he invited me or if I asked him, but it kicked off, and it was just, I mean, it's, it's a, it was a memorable experience because he mm. really poured into me the things God had taught him. Mm. And so there I was, you know, discipling, you know, these young teenagers, but in a way I felt like, gosh, I'm I'm helping them grow, but but they're not reproducing spiritually. In other words, they don't, you know, they just they're they're growing, but that's about as far as they're going. So we had a missions uh conference every year and there was uh, an older gentleman that came from a ministry called The Navigators. And he had a film series that he showed. It was a two-year discipleship program called the Colossians 2-7. And when I saw that whole series kind of up on the screen, I thought, now that is a tool that would help me help somebody reproduce spiritually. Not only help them to help to disciple them, but it would teach them and give them kind of a 
you know, a, a game book, so to so to say, so to say, to be able to reproduce spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I remember after the uh, after the evening um, of his talk, I went by and said, "Hey, listen, I'd like to know more about this." So he said, "Sure." And so, sure enough, he um, he met me and a good friend of mine for breakfast, and that relationship lasted for over thirty years. Wow! And he just poured. He was a former. He was from the states, but he was a former missionary in Kenya and Sweden and Norway. But he felt um, uh, called to really come to the states, back to the states, and disciple young uh, business businessmen. And so he probably poured his life into about twelve of us here locally. Um, hmm. And it, that was a game changer. That's what really gave me the the really insight of reproducing reproducers and really pouring into somebody who, again, would pour into others. Yeah. And uh, it was a game changer. You know, it always comes through relationship, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It really, really does. I, I And I believe that if you pray, you know, many listeners out there today would be like, well, I don't know a person like that. They can do that. Well, pray for God to send a person into your life mm-hmm. that will disciple you. Mm-hmm. I sit with a lot of pastors, uh, Ray, and ask them the questions of uh, have, who discipled you, right. and I get blank stares a lot. Mm-hmm. And I did ministry for 15 years yeah. without being discipled until, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. thank God, somebody, God brought a man into my life. But So that, that was a game changer. Now, you talk like a pastor. I mean, you're mm. not a pastor, though. You talked mm. about m- leading people to Christ and a missions right. conference and being discipled and mm-hmm. re- reproducing and all this stuff. Yeah. Tell us what you do for a living. Okay. Well, it's my kids are all in full-time ministry, so they, they say, Dad, you're, you're in the insurance business. They're in the assurance business. <laughs> But uh, but I feel like I'm in the assurance business also. But let me back up and talk about kids. I got a yes. lot of good stories okay. for you. So anyway, um, you've got so, three, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got three children: two uh, two boys and a girl, all grown. We're uh, we're grandparents of eleven grandchildren. Wow. So we got our money's worth out of wow. three children, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> um, but what happened early on in my Christian life is, as I was discipling these young people, um, I was listening to one of the Christian radio stations on the way into work, and there was a pastor talking about how he had heard um, an interview between Gregory uh, Gregory Hines. I don't know if you remember Gregory Hines. I do. He was the a, actor. A, he was a tap dancer and an yeah. actor, and he was mentored by Sammy Davis Jr. And so he, this pastor was talking about this interview he'd heard of Gregory Hines, and he said how special Sammy Davis had been in his life and how much of a mentor he'd been and taught him a lot of his tap dancing moves and whatever. And, of course, Sammy Davis, at the end of his life, had lung uh, throat cancer, yeah. and so his larynx was removed. And he said, um, you know, Gregory Hines said the last time he was with Sammy, he said, you know, how much he'd appreciated him pouring into his life, and he went to hug him. And uh, turned away, and he heard Sammy grunt. And he said, what is it, Sammy? And Sammy kind of you know, motioned his hands. Uh, he said, well, I don't understand what you're saying. And he, he realized it was like he was passing on the ball. He was indicating, kind of like, I've been the black entertainer in my era, and now it's your turn because I'm going uh-huh. on. And then the pastor went on to to talk about you know Deuteronomy six you know when you're lying down and you're rising up talk about the Lord and raising up your family spiritually and it just kind of a, a light bulb went off and it's just like you know what I've been discipling these young teenagers what about my kids hmm. now at the time I think um, Jonathan may have been twelve and David ten and Christy six and so. Um, you know, I went to I went to my two boys because they were only about two two and a half years apart, and I said, guys, I said, you know, I think I was about approaching about thirty at the time, and I said, you know, my dad died when I was thirteen, and he was only forty seven, and I said, mm. 
you know, I don't know how long God's going to give me, but but if something were to happen to you today, I just feel like I won't, I, I haven't given you everything that God's taught me. And I said, you know, like how, how I have a quiet time, not that there's a way, but how I spend time with the Lord, how I memorize scripture, you know, how I share my faith, how I do follow up, you know, and, and they were fairly mature in their faith, even at a young age. And I thought they'd say, oh, dad, we know this stuff, you know, because we, you know, prayed with them at night and, you know, they had, you know, they were real involved in the youth work. And so basically, um, you know, they said, yeah, let's do that. And so I always say I got my kids hooked on bagels and coffee at a young age because <laughs> we would meet at the local bagel shop like about, we'd leave the house maybe 40, 45 minutes before school uh, once a week. And I would just teach them the things that God had taught me. And they caught on fire. I mean, God just started really igniting their hearts, and um, they started sharing Christ with their high school buddies. Wow. And I remember taking uh, David on a missions conference um, shortly thereafter, and he just came back so fired up because you know, a friend of mine worked for Athletes, Athletes in Action, and we went to El Salvador and shared Christ with basketball teams, and we had a basketball team with us. And he came back and, and just got so excited. Um, he started. He got on the internet the first night we got back. I said, what are you doing? He said, he said I'm dialoguing with a buddy of mine, and I'm sharing Christ with him. He said, um, where are those... Tr- Christian tracks, and I said, "Well, they're down in the in the basement in that in that particular drawer." So he came up that night. He said, "Dad, Mom, we need to pray." I said, "What?" He said, "Cause cause my friend's gonna pray." He said, "And receive Christ tonight." He said, "We need to pray that God does that." <laughs> so sure enough, the next day I come home from work. He said, "Dad, he prayed the prayer." <laughs> and I said, well, "What are you gonna do now?" He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well." He's like a baby. You just can't leave him all alone. He said, what do you think, Dad? I said, well, why don't you go through some of the material that you and I and Jonathan have been going through on how to grow as a Christian? He said, great idea. <laughs> and how old is he at this and, time? And he's like uh, probably 10 or 11, you know. And so <laughs> basically, so he gets with his buddy, starts discipling him. And anyway, that particular individual winds up um, becoming a Bible teacher in a high school and, uh, and uh, actually here at Mount Pisgah. That's incredible. And so it's funny because a couple of years ago, I I was in that same bagel shop discipling a guy, and I look over and I saw that individual, and he had all these young students around with him discipling them. How about that? So that, that? was like a 20... 20, 30-year-old uh, span of time, you know, it was kind of neat. That's incredible. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you may not know this, but you inspired me. Years ago, we were on a golf trip together, okay. and you were sharing a story about how you would take your kids to breakfast once yeah. a week for mm-hmm. the purpose of discipling yeah. them, and not necessarily, they didn't know that exactly, per se, but sure. uh, I started doing that. I My sons were um, about 15 and 13 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I would take them to McDonald's here uh, every Wednesday morning, wow. and I would, and I did that because of your yeah. encouragement. Mm-hmm. And I do, I never regretted that. Yeah. We, we talk about it now, and they would sit there sometimes and roll their eyes and act like, "Oh gosh, here we go again." And mm-hmm. um, but just engage them in conversation about what I saw God doing in my life and mm-hmm. in their life, and um, my now they're in their mid twenties, mm-hmm. and uh, they still remember those mornings. Though it's so simple, anybody can do it. I I Anybody encourage you, can. if you're out there, you've got children, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even a nephew or a niece, and maybe you're not, you don't have kids yourself, but one morning a week to yeah. just buy them breakfast and sh- share Christ and what God's doing and what you see God doing in the world, and that's exactly. the main thing. Yeah, you're right. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to pass on what you what you know and what God's taught right. you. It's like some said, you just have to be a half step ahead of somebody. <laughs> and and a father, son, father, daughter, and I said later on, you know, I started working with Christy, but that is such a special time. There's something special about a dad and a son and a di- dad and a daughter that we just miss. We 
We send them to, to you know the church and they get involved, and that's great. But there's nothing more powerful than a parent and a child one on one, getting in the Word, praying together, just life on life. It's transformational, and I think. To some extent, that's why all three of our children today are involved in vocational ministry, Christian ministry, because yeah. they saw it in our lives, and they loved it, and they saw the need for other people needing to know and grow in Christ, and so they've given their lives to that. That's so cool. Yeah, and I know your your children. Uh, so tell us a little bit about where they're at and what they're doing. Your, okay. Your the oldest, Jonathan and Robbie, they're down in Sarasota. Um, they are... Um, partnered with uh, InterVarsity Fellowship. Actually, they met in college with in that ministry. And so they're discipling. They're on four campuses down there. Wow. Um, discipling, you know, young men and women for Christ. And then David, our second son, is in Nashville. He's with the Navigators. He's the director there. And he's got about 20-some staff. They're on four campuses. Um, you know, when they get all the kids together on Wednesday nights, there's two, three hundred of them doing worship that? and prayer. And and you're talking about spiritual multiplication. It's just incredible. In fact, let me tell you a quick story yeah. uh, about David. Um, when he first went with the Navigators, uh, right out of college, they got married, he and Lynette, and they were at Fort Collins at Colorado State. And he said, Dad, he said, I want you to come out and talk to these uh, guys and gals about ministry after work, after school, because you know we kind of have a contained environment. And he said, and a lot of times when these these guys and gals get into uh, the workplace, they just don't know how to continue this discipleship process because they go from being a big fish to a small fish, mm-hmm. and usually the youngest person, and they're just trying to make this job stuff work, and they're just cranking out the hours. And at best, and I don't mean to say this belittling, but at best, they might be have time to teach a Sunday school class, but as far as multiplying disciples is just almost off the radar screen. So he said, I want you to come out and share kind of your, your experience and how you approach that in the workplace. So... I walked into the room. There were probably three, 400 kids. It was a big ministry in that particular college. And I see David back in the corner with some guys. And one, one guy with him waves his arm and says, Mr. Bachman, Mr. Bachman, I'm number four. And so I kind of worked my way through the crowd. And I said, first of all, I said, what's your name and what's this number four? And he <laughs> said, well, my name is Jason. And, and I said, what's this number four, Jason? He said, well, I'm number four, he said, because... He said, you led David to Christ when he was younger and discipled him. And David led my roommate to Christ last semester and has been discipling him. My roommate just led me to Christ, and I'm number four. <laughs> and I said, Jason, that's so awesome. I said, what are you going to do about that? What yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to go, do going forward? He said, Mr. Bachman, I'm praying for five, six, seven, and eight. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I said, he Jason, got you got it. You, you got, got it. it. It's too good not to pass it on. That's you know? right. So, and that's what, and then, you know, kind of uh, picking up the story. Then Christy, my daughter, is married to an army chaplain, mm. and they're in Fort Benning, and he shares Christ. You're talking about just a just a blank slate to be able to share your faith in the military, because these yeah. young kids, he was in Iraq for, for nine months and came back about four or five months ago. But what an opportunity. He got these kids, young kids that are in the military, they're away from mom and dad, away from hometown. Scared to death. I mean, sure. God has their full undivided attention. So Absolutely. he is a soul winner. He really has a gift of evangelism. And uh, he gave a message uh, on a Thanksgiving and uh, to about six, 700 yeah, soldiers, and about 200 of them came forward to receive mm. Christ. He baptized over 30 that day. So, oh, my goodness. I mean, he is on fire. And, and Christy's working with the... Uh, with the wives, a lot of these soldiers, it's a tough life. I mean, these women have yeah. to live in kids without their they dads. They sacrifice a lot. For a lot. So it's a great opportunity to really encourage them and, and really reach out to them spiritually, you know. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm thinking, you raised three kids, they're all in ministry, and so many parents, what a blessing, first oh, off, what huge. a blessing. So many it's parents, huge. though, they're, you know, we pray for our kids, we pray for them to be healthy and successful and all mm-hmm. these things, but when it comes down to it, I think for most of us as believers, as parents, our prayer is that our kids would just walk with God. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if they walk with God, it doesn't matter what they do for a living or where they live or who they marry. If As long as they're walking with God, All that right. is Amen. the deal. I totally agree. And that, sometimes I have to be careful in telling my story because it is just supernatural. I can't explain it. It's not something, you know, that... Uh, it's a, there's a formula. It's just God was gracious in allowing us to just really spend that kind of time. And, and uh, you know, my dad, you know, um, even though he died when I was 13, I don't really remember a lot of um, memories because he was traveling. He was mm-hmm. on the road a lot. Um, and so, you know, when I looked at a, at professions, I said, you know what? I don't want to travel. I know that's hard to to, um, to to designate necessarily, but I said, you know, I'm going to stay at home. I want to I want to invest in my kids. I want my kids to know mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. so I've been very fortunate to, to have been able to build an insurance business here locally, where I don't have to jump on airplanes and go here and there throughout the week. You know, yeah, which is kind of kind of cool. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.